Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 57 of Histories of the Unexpected, where we will be audio-googling through history, exploring the histories of things that you didn't even know had a significant story to tell, like the history of kidneys, or corners, and wine, or fish, wish, and pish. <laughs> Talk with this rhyming. <laughs> and we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how simply everything has a history, and crucially, how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example? Sam, the history of chocolate is in fact all about lethargy, trade, and empire. Oh, and Harry Potter. There's this wonderful scene in the night bus mm, where, where, where they seen and read in the night bus where they get given hot chocolate. It's beautiful, but I, I digress. The history of shoes yeah. is all about the Palace of Versailles. It's about shipwrecks and impoverished childhood. Mm. We had no shoes. And the man sitting opposite me is the Herod of Heritage. Maybe Herodotus is probably better. It's Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. It's James Daybell. Hello, Hello, James. Hello, Sam. Hello, listeners. And the man sitting opposite me is the Pope of the Past. It is the famous historical adventure of the truly wonderful Dr. Sam Willis. Now, each week, one of us takes the lead to talk about something which is completely random but actually has a wonderful history. And at the moment, we're halfway through our mini-sub-series of the history of writing, the history of books, because... what? Because are we writing a book, James? Are we writing a book? I'm not sure we are. I think we're very busy burning the midnight oil, writing a very important book for your Christmas stockings for 2018. That's right. Histories of the Unexpected Book is coming to you. And so we've decided to do a mini-series. We have done writing codes last time. Handwriting. Fun. Handwriting. Uh, we're going to do paper. There are some older ones on letters and pens, pens and things like and, that. And, yes, and we are definitely going to do paper. And to Today, yes, today. I have been begging you to do this for a long time. It is the history of the book itself. The history of the book. But what we want to do is take the book in a slightly unexpected way. The history of the book is a very, very serious uh, subject. It's an academic discipline in itself. I mean, you look at the Cambridge history of the book, and then it's a 12-volume series. I mean, it's enormous, and it encompasses a massive, massive area. So it's about the invention of books. It's about book production. It's about transmission. It's circulation. It's dissemination of text from antiquity through to the present day. It looks at the book as object. It's about the history of ideas. It's the history of religion. It's bibliography. 
So everything that you wanted to know about the making of books from typeface and print and paper well, and binding. production binding and binding them, and yeah. warehouses, all the way through to conservation mm. and curation, the future of the book, where is the book going in the digital age? And it's crammed with innovation, isn't the it? The social history of reading, oh. how we actually use books. And it, yeah, it's crammed with innovation. It is a really, really vibrant field. There are PhDs produced all the time. It's fascinating. I almost did a postdoc on the history of the book. You personally? Personally, yes. What would you have done it on, particularly? As somebody who works on gender, I had a... I had a long time in the British Library and I decided that I was going to do a postdoc project on women's reading and book ownership, a sort of big social history of it, 1500 to 1800. So I sat down and I read everything and I learned, importantly, I learned how to use the historical records. Hmm. So how do you look at... How do, how do you start looking at books? We've obviously got the books themselves that survive. Rare books survive in libraries. We've obviously got people writing about books, and you can look at reading practices through that. We can look at ownership of books because you can look at people's signatures in books. You can look at wills where people give away books. You can look at probate inventories, mm-hmm. which are really good. Probate inventories are uh, inventories of people's goods at their death. Basically, get a snapshot of what is left within that house and you can see not only the books that they had oftentimes they're just listed as books um, but you can also see them within the where they are within the household we mentioned this a bit didn't we for um when we did our history of the book case did the one at powderham castle there's a dedicated podcast to the material yes splendor material history yes. of powderham castle which is a, a stately home and castle on the banks of the river x near us and we looked at their amazing bookcases and what i liked about that is we use that to, to talk about being able to recreate medieval libraries not just what's in the library the surviving catalogue, but you can sometimes work out where the books were kept within the library. So yep. it's the geography of the yeah, library, yeah, which yeah, is fantastic. Nice, nice. The, the cultural geography of the library. Brilliant. Yeah. Just to give you an idea of the sort of state of the field today, uh, I've printed out a sort of table of contents of the Cambridge history of the book 1557 to 1695. And this is a wonderful series, a sort of almost encyclopedic study. And it goes all the way from the sort of medieval book all the way to to the modern book. And just to give you a sense of, of the sort of range of things, it's got chapters on religious publishing one, religious publishing two, oral traditions and scribal culture, oral and scribal texts, John Donne and the circulation of manuscript, music books, literature of the learned, the Latin book trade, patronage and printing, university printing at Oxford and Cambridge, editing the past, um, maps and atlases, literature of travel, science and the book, Samuel Hartlib and the Commonwealth of Learning, ownership, private and public libraries. And so we go we go on through literary canons, nonconformists, the Bible, book trade, English law books, almanacs, ballads, so all the different types of books, the creation of the periodical press, constraints on the London book trade, the economic context, French paper in books, the old English letter foundries, book binding, mise en page, so all about illustration and expression in form, the polyglot Bible, paratext your features, book of news. Um, There's a lot of words here. London, I don't, I don't production, know. <laughs> distribution, religion, the book in Ireland from the Tudor, Tudor reconquest to the Battle of the Boyne, and so we go on and on and on. I mean, it is a it is a veritable industry yeah. in itself. But we're not doing that, are we? Where are you going to take us next, Sam? 
I would like to take you to um, reach over there for me. Oh my word! This so is we're in my in my shed. We are surrounded shed. by books. And I am am I reaching here for one of your books? You are going to reach there for one of my books. Now have a look at what's inside that. So inside here is a oh my gosh! It is a little note card. What does it say? Dear Doctor Sam, thank you very much for the books which you gave me. I love them and have started to read them already. I really like ships and look forward to learning more. Thank you again for your very kind presence. Lots of love from Zan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's uh, one of my one of my youngest fans. Uh, hello, Zan. Um, thanks for getting in touch. And he's drawn me a little a little picture oh. of ship. So what's tremendous about this is um, I use that as a bookmark now. Ah, excellent. So um, I'd like to just talk a little bit. I'm sure you can you can help me out here. Actually, well, maybe. About, um, maybe. Do you know anything about bookmarks? History of bookmarks. What do you use as a bookmark? Very little. I use whatever's to hand. I do have a big pile of bookmarks oh. on my bookcase that I gather from various places, but I'm very uh, low church in terms of bookmarks. I will use whatever is to hand. You my know, wife just folds over corners. I do as well. I'm yes. brutal, apart from that one. That's my special one. I'm, right. I'm, I'm brutal with my books. We've talked about them before. Yes. I write in them. I, yep. I'll show you a bit more later. We're, yep. we're going to do the history of our books, aren't next. we? Next, next podcast. The history of the books that James and I have written. I'm going to show you some of my copies of my books. They've just I scribbled in, written over, folded over. So marking books, I'm quite interested in. Actually, how you mm. mark your place. You know those sort of leather tasseled bookmarks? Yes. Yeah, I've never had one of those. It does raise the very interesting question of what you might find in a book. It's the book as an archive in itself. Oh, um, brilliant. And I know that one of the great joys of working in, say, second-hand bookshops... I don't know, is there, is there a, any second-hand bookshop owners out there? If it is, get in touch. I'd like to know what you found in your books, because they get their books, they buy them at auction or whatever, flick, first thing you do is you flick through them. And I suspect there are some amazing archives of what has been discovered in books yep. in second-hand bookshops yep. all around the country. And I'd like to see photographs of them and know what they are. Um, and I found a mini-archive of someone who, was, um, who has done exactly this. And they have got things from Monopoly money, dated Monopoly money, um, photographs, love letters. Um, there's a bizarre photograph here of someone with uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 foxes behind him. <laughs> so, uh, it's a photograph of him. It's, yeah, I'll show you. Let's yeah, have a look. Um, we've just got to flip this around so you can see. Oh, my... <laughs> It's amazing the sort of serendipitous things that you find in yeah. that you yeah. find every day. But have you ever found anything in in books? I, well, I thought about that this morning, and I'm certain that I have, but I can't tell you what. But I, I know I have. Yes, I know I have. Um, it's and just not the sort of thing that you record. Something to do with Shackleton is coming back to me. I think. Oh, something famous to do with him. We think about this. It, it, it's some kind of photograph, some kind of signed thing. Gosh. Um, but in this collection I've got here, it's from America. Um, here we are. What's that? I'm going to just unplug my computer. Flipping so you can around learn. the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is a recipe for cheese souffle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a brilliant thing to have as a bookmark. But, but probably, that, yeah, that's what you've used as a bookmark. You've kept in there. Yeah, poultry stuffing. I've actually got... Avocado stuffing, that's gross. I've inherited quite a few of my father's books. I say inherited. I I took as a young teenage boy uh, quite a few of my father's books. And looking back at them now, they've got some of his writing from Ah. little little notes sort of slipped in, which is is rather nice. So what I wanted to do was to take you to this uh, remarkable thing that's been discovered in a book. Someone used this as a bookmark. (laughs) 
Let's okay, turn are you, it round. Are you ready? Yes. Um, we're sitting opposite each other here, as opposed to next door to each other, where we do in my place. What on earth is that? That is... May I? Yep. May I borrow this? So this is a <laughs> letter. Would you just scroll down and read out the letter to us, please, James? <laughs> is it rude? No. I cannot believe what a slime you are. <laughs> What I ever saw in you is beyond me. Sarah's mind must be warped. I love her, but how she managed to spend two years with a manipulative sadist like you is incredible. Yes, and underlined, she told me. You must have seen that she was... This is a terrible hand, that she was sad or something and zoomed... um, into her like a vulture, upon her like a vulture. I have managed to, to get a transcription of this, Do, just so I can read you, it out. Have you, you tracked have you tracked the person down? It's very well. Dear Aeneas, Ooh. I cannot believe what a slime you are. What I ever <laughs> saw in you is beyond me. Sarah's mind must be warped. I love her, but how she managed to spend two years with a manipulative sadist like you is incredible. Yes, she told me. You must have seen that she was sad or something and zoomed in on her like a vulture. I almost feel like that's what you did to me, although it was probably my stupidity more than anything else. How could you be so cruel to Sarah? And I was to tell her that Michelle told me, did you want to hurt us? What Ever we, <laughs> what did we ever do to you, slime? Did you just forget that we made a pact not to mention this ludicrous flirtation? My God, what did I ever see in you? You're nothing but a self-satisfying walking mass of ego, a phony. And the most ridiculous part of it all is that you're not even worth the trouble. You're downright ugly. You talk funny and you don't know how to dress. You have all the morality and sentiment, sentiment of a jungle beast. Less, in fact, and you're a colossal snob, a bore, and a boring old fart. We won't even go into your sexual perversities, you nasty voyeur. All I can say to you now is I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, and I'd ever lay eyes on you again. You'd better hope to God that your eyes are not within scratching distance of my nails. I'm not sure what to say to that. Wow! Anonymous, undated. That's someone's bookmark. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. I don't know what to say to that, but no. I think we can... No. Um, yeah. All sorts of things left in books. So very books, private. Books as, as repositories. Just briefly, that's about reminders. That's about coming back to a book. It's about having a book um, with you regularly. There's a significant reminder there. So, I mean, I, I will sit down with my book an hour at bedtime every day of my life. And by having a bookmark like that or whatever whatever it is, it's something that's constantly with you. And um, so the, the opposite of that, where you've got a frankly a very unpleasant letter, which has obviously terrified someone. Somebody's or, forgotten and has given away that book or sold that book yeah, yeah, as yeah, second hand. Yeah. Nobody realised it. And, and it's just kind of got there. lost and it's, and you don't check through things. Uh, but the opposite is that there, there are lots of love photos. There, ah. there are, um, you know, do my sweet yeah. heart sort of photos of, of people in Paris in 1920s. And it's, it's, it's all sort of wonderfully... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. 
So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW. I mean, if you think about how used books come to be used books, you know, either people are purging their book collections and getting rid of things, giving things away to charity, or what often happens is when people die and the family, nobody else wants the books, and used book sellers go in and they will just take over a, a, a somebody's library and so effectively what you have then you know these books that were people's life and have you know documents associated with their life just sort of get absorbed into those books i love the idea of books having a life yeah, yeah. you know beyond the reader a friend of mine um andrew gordon hello andy um a brilliant brilliant uh, literary scholar up at aberdeen talks about i remember going traveling with him uh, at a conference and um, talking about a travel book. He liked the idea that with a travel book, you didn't keep it forever. You actually, you lent it to somebody else and then it, and then the book travelled. Oh, nice, okay. And it travels back to that place mm. with a range of people. And I love that book, That you know, the idea of the life of the book. Yeah. I like free libraries. Yes. When, so when oh, you go I to love, yes. like, hotels, often have them. Um, and occasionally you see them in bus stops or someone yes. going around and just like pick up a book, drop one off. Um, I, I think that's lovely. The variety of things in books is interesting. And I'm sure as a child, I made my mother or my father a bookmark. And my kids have definitely made my me a bookmark. My kids have definitely. Um, can I take us in a different yeah, direction? Let me just show you this one. This is a sorry, handmade kids' bookmark from America. About nine, oh. you know, 1910, something like I that. I can keep your plate. Uh, so a historic bookmark. Yeah. Brilliant, with an American flag. With a little, a kind of little a mouse. Mouse holding fox. an American flag. Okay, so I'm going to take us to, we've gone from things found in books. I want to take us to things written in books. Hmm. Uh, and to start with an anecdote from my university career, mm-hmm. when I was in college and had a, the history faculty library next door and stressed students having to do their weekly essay. <laughs> you know and being given this huge reading list yeah. um would panic and go to the books and if you left your work until the last minute you would then read through the books and look at where previous readers had marked up passages that were important yeah do not do this students because there are certain people and i knew of certain people uh, in my college who actually went along the bookshelves and at random plucked out various volumes, opened them, 
and then would just mischievously go through and mark up different <laughs> sections. A very, very important point. The most important <laughs> point that's being made in this book and then put it back and then return and do the same to, to other books. See, poor, poor victims. But what I want to talk about is annotations of books. This is a sort of branch of history of the book that is associated with reading. And I think that we should do another podcast on the history of reading. And one of our, one of our followers on Twitter has said that we should do reading. And I think that would be a great idea because reading is a very silent activity. Mm-hmm. You've got the physical book. And then how do you know what kind of reception it has, how people engage with it? And oftentimes we are able to access that through looking at what has been written. Uh, there was a time when libraries just wanted clean copies and they didn't buy up books with handwriting in. Nowadays, these are uber, uber valuable. Mm. Yeah, so you wonder why somewhere like the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C., a library set up by uh, Henry Folger, um, a great sort of industrial magnate, um, to set up to collect and sort of worship Shakespeare, why they collect these sort of multiple volumes. Uh, it's because they're all different and they all have different sort of associations, different owners, and they've got annotations in them. What's fascinating is not only engagement with text, as you read through a book, you can see where somebody has made certain comments, you know, rubbish or see such and such. You're able to recreate um, somebody's mind, in that way, you're re- you're able to sort of recreate their their sort of intellectual landscape, I suppose. And I've got an example here. There's a very famous art article uh, by the late Lisa Jardine and um, Tony Grafton from Princeton about uh, an Elizabethan scholar, Gabriel Harvey. And this, I've printed you off a picture of this. This will show you just how this guy... So we've got this Elizabethan scholar uh, here. Um, the, how this guy just engaged with his text. You've got the printed page here, and he literally just scrawled yeah. his notes all over That's the margins. wonderful. There is a brilliant project at UCL now. It's transferred from Queen Mary, where Lisa Jardine was. She brought um, the, this brilliant Centre for Editing Lives and Letters to UCL, and they've got this big funded project um, to look at the archaeology of reading. And, it, and there are, about, I think, about 400 books uh, that are associated with Gabriel Harvey. So you're able to sort of do this kind of forensic archaeology of his reading habits. And so learn a lot about how people engaged with text in a scholarly way in Let the past. Let me just describe this. So it's a book, it's open in the centre, and you've got very dense writing on both sides of it. But um, So that's dense printed writing. Every bit of blank space of the book, above the main text, below the main text, and on both sides, and even in the gaps where one paragraph leads into another... He's filled up with his own handwriting. He's written sideways on the left-hand side, so he's turned the book round to give himself a long, a long line. There are five lines of text there. He's written at the top, written at the bottom. It's, um, I mean, he, he couldn't put any more words no. there. No. What's also interesting, moving on from him, because he, he's a particularly sort of exceptional example, but you just go to a, a library like the Bodleian Library in Oxford, Cambridge's University Library, the British Library, National Library of Wales, National Library of Scotland, and call up some of their rare books, and you will find 
if you spend an afternoon doing that, you will just go through, leaf through, and you will find annotations everywhere. And what I'm fascinated by is not only the way in which books are, in which it can show you reading and people's engagement with a text, but also the use of the blank space in books. Now, the early modern books were often printed with blank pages, and it was specifically for people to record their own notes. And this is particularly prominent in Bibles Mm -hmm. of the period. There were certain kind of set pages that are left between different sections. And we have an, an enormous collection of Genevan Bibles. A woman called, brilliant scholar called Femke Molkamp has done a study of the Genevan Bibles in the British Library. And she's looked at about a hundred of them. And they've so many, I think it's about a quarter of them, have annotations in them. Maybe, maybe more than that. I haven't got the stats. But what is fascinating is how, is what people use them for. People use them to record, and this is what I'm interested in, the book that I'm writing on the family. When you open up a book, you've got the sort of inside of the front cover and the inside of the back cover. They use that to record their family tree. So births, deaths and marriages. And then what's fascinating is that these volumes then get passed down from one generation to the next. I have, I have inherited very recently a Daybell family Bible, which we can trace back to the Victorian period. We had a lovely review of our podcast, didn't we, by someone who said, I don't know what a Daybell is, but I definitely want one. <laughs> what, do, do you have any idea what a Daybell is? It's not a well-known name. I'm taken. <laughs> you are on that track. But is, do you know anything about the name? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm so uninterested in it. Are you? <laughs> yes. Oh. yes. I think it, well, maybe, I think some, it, maybe one of our Twitter I followers think is. I think it is Norman French. Okay. So I think we care. I, I have actually, tra- I'm, I'm tongue-in-cheek, I haven't looked into the roots of the name, but I think those who've traced the family we came across with the Normans. We're linked to the Tyrrells as well. Really? And to the regicide Walter Tyrrell, who <laughs> killed William Rufus. Well, I mean, he's say killed. If you look at the medieval evidence, there's a description of, of a hunt and the king sort of, you know, looks up and there's the sun and, and an arrow comes through, comes and sort of pierces him. Um, he later dies, and I think, you know, Walter Tyrrell sort of, you know, mm. scarpers. Well, we should do so the his, his history, the unexpected history of our families. Ooh, that yes. Would be, that would be We'd need to do a little bit of work. I know some people who can help with that. You do? Yeah, or I'm having my genes done again. Oh. It's really exciting. So I've got a new series on invasions coming up, yes. and, um, and I'm having my genetics, oh. genetics mapped. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I bet you're Viking or something. Yeah, so I, we were probably lords of the Daybells for a lords while. Lords of the Daybells. <laughs> no, 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 we, we had a castle. Well, I'm sure. I'll we just had a castle. And then, and then we took it and enslaved the Daybells, uh, unfortunately. Anyway, where were we? Books. <laughs> like, so, so we were talking about books. Uh, if you are interested in annotations, uh, you should read Bill Sherman's used books, Marking Readers in Renaissance England. So William H. Sherman, a fantastic book, came out in 2008. Um, he's, he's, if, you, if you are interested in that, it's a brilliant guide, but lots of other people yeah. uh, have written about this. I would encourage you all to write in your books. Yes. So do, just do it. It's brilliant. It'll help historians in the future. Um, I think you should all engage with your books. My personal view, but um, I, I don't think you should you should handle books with kid gloves. No, just... writing is reading. I write in all my books. I now no longer take notes separately. I take notes into my books. Oh, okay. So I need my books, my living library around me. So where do we go from here then, James? We get people to take photos of notes they found in books. I, I, I think that would be... Yeah. Things found in books would be fantastic. Yep. Uh, 
um, that would really help us. It would help historians in the future. It would help you to actually kind of engage with your books. I think that's really cool. I'm also um, interested in graffiti in books. Oh, that's things things people have written different things different people have written in. There, there is some wonderful stuff, like doodles in books. Oh yes. I think it's brilliant. There's some wonderful stuff, wonderful medieval sort of scribes who've who've, yeah. who've doodled in their books. And this is a very different subject to diaries, which is a separate yes. thing. Yes. Um, I was looking at something on um Salvador Dali's diaries. Now they're pretty impressive. Uh, dream diaries. Dream, dream diaries. diaries. We did the history of dreams, didn't we? So he was um Excellent. He, he was noting down his dreams and doodling in those, but being a genius surrealist the- artist, they're completely amazing. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, so that's different. Now we're talking specifically here about graffiti in printed books. Yes. Graffiti or, in printed books or, or, or graffiti in, in manuscript books. So it's handwritten books. Books come in, in various forms. So with the advent of print, you know, with Caxton in, in 1476 um, or whatever it is, um, you know, we have the, the advent of the printed book. But before that, books are handwritten. So you refer to them as, ma- as, as a manuscript book. You imagine your, your scribes writing out a sort of, you know, a presentation yeah. volume. It's handwritten, but it's still a book yeah. and it can still be, be bound. Mm. We should do another. I think we should I'm, do another I've episode. Got so on many the more book. things to do. To I wanted to talk books. about all sorts of things yeah. books and scissors and cutting and paper and right. books as magic. Listen, if you have enjoyed what you're listening to, do please follow us on Twitter, find us on iTunes, and please review the podcast it'll be very helpful for us and we're going to spread the word and make as many people historians as possible and get the world thinking about history differently and you can help us by reviewing our podcast you can follow me on twitter at dr sam willis and you can follow me at james daybell and you can follow us you can follow us histories of the unexpected at unexpected pod we are proud to be part of the excellent history hit network home of dan snow's history hit and other great shows that you really should be listening to and you can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months show notes video clips photos of everything we discuss and more at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected goodbye bye if you enjoy this podcast and you like learning about the past check out my latest venture it's called history masterclass and it's a new type of historical event where you can actually learn in person from the best historians around today in unique and stunning historical locations you can find out more at thehistorymasterclass.com and follow on facebook and twitter even on a budget quality is non-negotiable That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. At the History MC.